All right, welcome back to Unleashed, the most legit Celtics podcast in the game. Episode number 106 today, and we brought on my best friend of 15 plus years. So it's 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 crazy that it's been this long for him to jump on the show because he's just as big of a Celtics fan as me. But um, we had a great talk. I think, you know, it's it's going to suck because there's just so much negative to talk about the Celtics this year. And I don't think you can deny that. You know what I mean? So we go off on this team. Um, it's not the most positive episode, but what Celtics podcast has kept it positive lately? This one sure as hell hasn't. The post-game stream sure as hell hasn't. And, um, you know, this episode is is no different. So hopefully you guys do enjoy the content. If you've been pissed off about the Celtics team, it's going to be a good vent sesh because Kev... You know, he's such a diehard fan that he he definitely has some uh, strong feelings and takes towards his team. So be sure to uh, like this video. Go in the comments down below if you agree or disagree. And as always, we are approaching 500 subscribers. I can't thank you guys enough. So please hit that subscribe button. So let's get to it. All right, here we go. We're welcoming on uh, for the... F I, it's kind of weird this is the first time you've ever been on the, the show, to be honest. This is Kev, uh, my best friend of how many years? Since we were, I think, 11, right? Yes. I mean, it's been, you know, 15 years, and hopefully that continues. I don't know. We'll see after this podcast if we're still friends. But um, after this episode, I might have to reconsider. <laughs> it's it's wild that you haven't been on the show, but I am, you know, pumped to bring you on because you and me, massive Celtics guys, um, compared to everyone else we really hang out with. And I know that you have some, like... <laughs> pretty strong feelings and pretty strong takes about this squad right now. So I, I can't promise anyone watching or listening if it's going to be a really positive episode, even though we're coming off a, a win to New York. But Kev, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself and uh, I guess, you know, start off with <laughs> what the hell's wrong with this team right now? Yeah, I mean, thank you for that intro. I mean, it, it, it should tell you a lot that we're, you know, happy and positive about beating the Knicks by like four points last night. It's, yeah, in, in a, yeah, but okay. So not to cut you off, but wasn't that one of the first games in a while that they actually fought down the stretch? Like I know it was the Knicks, but you're in that situation. It doesn't matter. Like you're no, in that situation. They've lost to worse teams in that situation. They've they've lost to worse teams, but I feel like they've always made these runs in the fourth quarter, and then they just end up. It's it's too late. Like it, they did it. They disappeared in the first half. They didn't play, and then they come out in the fourth quarter and like, oh wait, we actually have to try and win now, and then they just come up short. But, I mean, yeah, I guess it's good to see them finally finish a win and a game off, but it... <laughs> you're not, you're not taking any positives out of it, huh? No, it felt like a loss last night. You cannot objectively tell, look at Jason Tatum and how he played last night and tell me you're happy. It's just... I mean, what did he have? Eight turnovers? Seven? Something like that, right? Eight turnovers. And so, in my the post-game show I do with the live chat and whatnot, everyone, when I kind of not criticized, but I said, like, hey, like, you, this guy can't have eight turnovers. Like, he's not going to have eight turnovers every game. We know that, but that's still pretty bull. People are like, oh, but he was getting double teamed all night. And I'm like, yeah, dude, there's guys in the NBA that got double teamed every night and don't almost have 10 turnovers. It's it's like when you get double teamed, you pass to the open guy and rotate the ball. You don't hold on to it and start running around the top of the key. It's, I, I, and, you know, let, I'm not, let's not try and minimize COVID, but the fact. Oh, geez, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. This, this, this was your run-in with, you don't have to say names, obviously, but your run-in with like yes, Celtics I, I, beat off writers. Some Celtics beat writers who have no balls or courage to actually criticize the team. I think the only person who does is Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. That guy is like the only one who I've seen criticize them. Everybody else just wants to, I don't know I mean, if they you get know, tickets you know how it is. games or I don't, like, I don't know what family members get to go for free, but it's... You know what it is? You know what it is? And it's it's... 
unfortunate that it's the case, though. It's because these guys do end up facing the players, seeing the players, looking them in the eyes, and the coach, the organization, they're too afraid uh, to, you know, say anything, which I, I mean, I do understand because you everything is through a green lens um, when it comes to people that are so close to the team. You know what I mean? You're never going to get the honest, true take out of it. Um, so, but I know you're ready to sling it and stuff too, but yeah, go back I mean, to the, go back to the Tatum COVID thing. It, listen, we're not minimizing COVID and how bad it's been. Yes. A lot of people have dealt with it. There's been deaths. We all feel bad. Nobody wants anyone to feel sick, including you. You're a champion and a warrior for battling through. Yep. But Jason Tatum is 20, 22, 23. What is he? 23. 23. He's an elite level athlete at the top of his sport. And he had it like 70 days ago to try and say him turning the ball over, taking terrible shots and not looking like he doesn't give a shit out there on the court has nothing to do with COVID. I I, I don't. I know. And it sucks because you said that, like you were tweeting that last night and people like ragging on it for like, what do you mean? You how are you gonna downplay COVID? And and they're right because like that sucks because now you're in like a lose lose situation. But we have to be honest. Like the what we're seeing out of Tatum, his like his trying to shoot over a double team or holding the ball for twenty three seconds, like that it's isn't crazy. that's not COVID. Like we have to be honest. That has nothing to do with. So what? So did he just not have COVID like three weeks after when he played in the All Star game? He looked fine to me, running around like I, like I don't. You can't have your cake and eat it too, and say, right. "Oh, it scored forty, so it must not be the COVID tonight." It's like that doesn't that doesn't work. Like it's it's not a legitimate argument. It's, so you think? Do you think Tatum's one of the biggest problems on this team right now? Because this team has well, problems. And that should be that should be a guy we don't have to worry about though Tatum. It should be like Tatum and Brown. We don't have to worry about the rest of the team. That's the problem. But it sounds like you're getting that Tatum is a problem. The number one problem on this team is the lack of leadership, and it's it comes from the coach. The coach has absolutely Brad Stevens has no leadership skills whatsoever. He, like I, I mean, imagine that guy leading you into war. Like you, you <laughs> fall asleep. Like it's like you'd be like, huh? And you would just go in and get killed immediately. It's. And that contributes to Tatum because Tatum's not a natural leader. He's a quiet, like calm kind of kid. It's like the leader on the team sh- is Jalen Brown. Although uh, people Marcus argue Smart Marcus needs Smart needs to be, yeah. Marcus Smart has the loudest voice, but he's also not a, our best player. So, like, I don't feel comfortable calling him the leader. Right. It's, it's, he's like, he could be the emotional leader, but like you talk about being led into war and stuff, it always is going to come down to led by actions and, right. and follow suit, that type of thing. And I mean, you saw, did you see some of the quotes that came out from Jalen Brown last night? He said, I had to talk with Tatum. Tatum did not go to him and have a chat. Yeah. Jalen Brown went to Tatum and said, let's talk this out. That's, I mean, that shows you that he's the leader. Yeah. And, and that, but if that's the case too, then I wish that he was more of like a outgoing leader. Cause that guy doesn't say peep during the game. And yeah, that, that I mean, you know, sometimes this team needs someone to be like, hey, get your head out of your ass. Let's go. Let's push it to the limit. Let's actually try and compete. So if Jalen Brown is supposed to be the leader of this team, he's also not going doing his best job. Of yeah, it. which is why, I mean, when Marcus Smart's out there barking, you know, at some people like with two minutes left in the game and like, why did you say it's like, well, like it's like, Marcus, we, we all love you. But based on some of the games that you've had this season, it's like, what do you, what are you doing, dude? Like, it's it's. I th- that's that's the number one problem with the team lack of leadership, and that is literally the, once that problem is fixed, then you're gonna have guys starting to buy in more. And this comes back to Brad Stevens. We need to fire Brad Stevens. I'm sorry. It's it, it's been we've had too much time. How long has he been? He's been here for eight years. Eight years. I mean, four conference finals. What was it? Is it four? 
Yeah, I think it's four. Three out of the last four, three, at least. Three out of the last four. I mean, we've underperformed in 2018. That was like a that was a good run, and there was a lot of luck involved in that. We we overperformed for sure. But for the last three years, getting knocked up by Milwaukee, losing uh, last year to the Heat, this year has been terrible. It's like we are three years of straight underperforming, and I don't know why no one else is. Not a lot of people are calling for his job. How about this picture, right? This is, I'll share this on the screen for everyone watching on YouTube. This was him during, I think this was during the Sixers game, which is kind of absurd. This is a timeout in which they are getting their their doors blown in. And they're talking as a team. And and that's the head coach 10 feet away. That's not the best look. I will say this. It's not like unheard of for a coach to like, to obviously step away for a second to gather before a timeout and whatnot. That picture could totally be out of context, but it's not the best look either way. You know what I mean? No matter how you want to spin it, it's like, oh, okay, let's hope that I mean, there's it's context. It's like Doc let KG kind of police the locker room because KG was the leader when he was here. Mm-hmm. So like that, you might see that, but Doc wasn't off like in the locker room while like that huddle was going on. Right. Like, he looks like he's about thinking like, what am I going to have for dinner when I go home? It's Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, Kev. And this is where, like I, I tell uh, the viewers all the time that like, I'm not on the fire yet. I'm like, I'm. if this is zero and this is 100 in terms of percentage of me wanting to fire him, I've now grown to, to towards like 78%, right? Like I'm, I'm almost there. I, a couple, wait, first off and foremost, I guess like, I don't want to fire him now. Like, what are you going to do? Bring in another guy yeah. only, to, only to, to fail for the rest of the year and then all of a sudden that yeah. guy's a bust. But here's my thing. Brad Stevens, and, and it's, it's, sure, maybe it's not his fault, okay? I don't want to, but listen in terms of him not being a leader. But when this team is led by a 22 or 23, a 24-year-old guy, those are your best players. Everyone wants to say, oh, it's a player's league. The coach doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Coaches matter if you're that young of a team. You know what I mean? LeBron James doesn't need a coach. I get it. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George probably don't need a coach. But guess what? The Celtics, they do need a coach. When you're that young and you have no direction and no one on the team is stepping up in the leadership role, then it has to fall by default onto the coach and it's so infuriating to watch games where they're just getting their ass kicked in he's got a million timeouts in the tank and they flash to him and he's like this and just sitting there and it's frustrating to me because they always refer to the oh look at his composure you can't tell if he's up 30 points or down 30 points that's great if you are up 30 points that sucks if you are the team that's down 30 points 500 for the whole season it's 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 so frustrating and this isn't football where like belichick it's clear he knows all the you know, he knows all the plays. He knows all the strategies to win, and you need to have somebody like that to win Super Bowls. Basketball is not the same thing. Like, you well, said. even Belichick though, he's calm, cool, and collected. But then he gets into it when he needs right. to. Right, I'm sure uh, we all know Belichick is going to get into you and motivate you and yeah. pull everything out of guys that he can. Brad Stevens is it's it. Look at LeBron when he won championships in Miami. Pat Riley and his philosophy trickled down to Spolstra. Now Spolstra, in the same vein as Stevens, appears like a calm guy. But I guarantee you in the locker room, Spolstra is not going to be like, okay, guys, let's do it. Like Spolstra is learning from Pat Riley and Pat Riley knows what he's doing. Well, Spolstra even like he injects himself into the game when he needs to. And that's what I feel like we don't get out of Brad whatsoever. Like he never even really injects himself into the game. You look at a guy and I mean, love him or hate him, but like a guy like Nick Nurse, he's almost just as much of a player in terms of how much he's impacting the game than than the players, which I don't want a full-blown Nick Nurse on this team, but you got to have a guy that is involved in the game and not just thinking about or running simulations or doing, you know, God knows what on his tablet during the game. This team doesn't need any coaching on X's and O's. Like, I think Jason Tatum knows how to run horns or 
go to the top of the key and set pick and roll. Like nobody cares. This team needs a motivator. Look at Philly. They got rid of Brett Brown. Brett yeah. Brown couldn't motivate a chair. Put in Doc Rivers, and we all know how good Doc is at pulling you know the best out of everybody. And Embiid is an MVP candidate. Philly's playing better than ever. And it's the same cast they had from last year. It's you need somebody. They got. To they did. They got a lot better. Like with you know, I guess just just their outside like Seth, Seth Curry, Dwight Howard. They did get way better. But I think people are sleeping on how big of a difference Doc. Well, yeah, has been. like the Corden, like Tobias, Ben, and Embiid did not change. They just got somebody who can actually speak to them and. To try to motivate them as like a former player and coach. That's why I keep saying you need Sam Cassell. I'd even be fine with Chauncey Billups at this point. Sam Cassell, at least the guy's won three championships and was at least here. So he has some ties. And he, that guy has been coaching as an assistant coach under Doc for like the last 10 years. I think mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I mean, see, like, I, I think this is with a game that the Celtics fans, you know, we got to play in our mind here is that. It's always been what has been the go-to in terms of like, hey, you can't just fire Brad. Why? Oh, well, then who's going to replace him? Well, That's been the take. Yeah. But at this point, and I don't know, I probably have texted this to you before too. At this point, and I'm just playing devil's advocate because I'm not totally sold on firing him yet. I'm getting pissed. You know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of lost my, you know, Brad Stevens and I trust Brad Stevens sort of mindset. But at this point, Brad Stevens hasn't been doing anything to say, hey, this guy's special. This guy needs to stick around. So that, that sort of who's going to replace him, that really doesn't matter. You're going to get someone with any sort of, you know, quality qualification to be a head coach i'm not saying you go get you know homeless joe off the street and coach but you get anyone with any sort of background in coaching or former player anything like that and they probably could be doing a similar job and coach a 500 team that has you know a couple top players in the league that's, you know that's like, what that's, I'm saying. if you put even if you put in like uh, uh like an avery johnson or vinnie del negro this team would would they be like worse than they are right now. No. That's the thing. You, but you don't know they're going to get better, right? Like, Obviously, and, and I'm not I, saying I want Vinny Del Negro or Avery. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I don't want <laughs> you those sold guys. yourself on it. No, I wouldn't want those guys. But like, you you need to get somebody who's like a former player who can relate to these guys on an ego and superstar level because these guys, like, I just feel like they've just lost respect and don't hear Brad Stevens anymore. Yeah, and and I mean, how much more are we going to see of it? So let me ask you that because you are fully sold on Firebred Stevens, right? Like you are, you're 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 hundred percent in. What does it take now to realistically see him being fired? Because I know you're sold on Brad Stevens, but you know right now Danny Ainge isn't firing Brad Stevens. So what is that sort of? What do we need to see? for it to come to fruition because you know i i need to be sold on it too so if you bring a good I mean, point on then... playoffs or like they lose the playing game you should be fired immediately the day after we the season ends i mean that's just <laughs> like i don't i don't get how you can go from making the conference finals three out of four years to not making the playoffs i mean that would be literally absurd that's yeah, a and, and, and and someone um Someone brought up in one of my streams too, saying like, you know, if you actually stripped the name Brad Stevens and stripped the team Celtics out of this equation and you look at, you know, team underperforming, team below 500, all this, like that coach usually gets fired, which is kind of wild. Like realistically, the factors here do point to a Brad Stevens firing, but Wick Grosbeck said it himself. You know, he's not going anywhere. Danny Ainge isn't going anywhere. I mean, he got fired from the Clippers after making it to the second round like it's and made the playoffs every single year. It's like, it's... I don't think Doc ever had a team this bad in uh, as a coach of the Clippers. It's it's if listen, there's one way to shake up a team, it is you can you can bring in an entirely new culture with a coach. And whether that coach could be technically a better coach or worse coach, we've seen it. Look at Dwayne Casey getting getting booted out of Toronto literally after winning Coach of the Year, yeah. and then they somehow get a better coach. You know what I mean? No one. There's probably so many people that were against firing the reigning Coach of the Year, but they did it. 
it's it's a fresh voice at some point like and everybody gets tired of listening to the same thing over and over and over again especially when it comes to sports or whatever in the locker room it's like there's only so much you can sit there and if it's not working if you're winning championships yes you can sit there and listen to bill belichick for 70 years saying mm-hmm. the same thing if you're not producing the results then why would you sit there and listen to what brad stevens is saying it doesn't yeah, it's like that you know, definition of insanity. They kept getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, never breaking through, but we keep trying the same thing. I mean, the guy couldn't come up with a scheme to beat a zone. I know. We're, people are forgetting that. I know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, that's, that's, that's the thing. Brad Stevens has always been sort of the analytical X's and O's guy, right? But even that sort of shine has worn off a little bit to me. And, and I get frustrated with the timeouts, like 19 to 2 run against Philly in the second quarter. That Philly Philly had the 19 to 2 run on us. A timeout at the end of that, the game's over. I'm sorry. Like the game is over by the end of that timeout. They blew the game there. If you were to take that when it was a, a you know, seven to one two run type of thing, you could have changed the course of the game. And yeah. look at right after that run, they they called the timeout. Then they went and scored six straight points, I believe, or is a little later in the game. And Doc Rivers calls a timeout. I'm like, that coach called a timeout after six points. You called a timeout after 19 points. That's a pretty big difference. So it's so infuriating. And it's 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 like, listen, we we all love Brad, especially like the first four years, because Brad is going to be good in a college system, or if he has players that are not stars, he can, he can he does a lot with a little, yeah, yeah, he does a lot with a little. But when you give him superstars, he doesn't know how to manage egos because he's never done that, and he he do, he doesn't have the personality for it. You need someone who's a hard ass, who's one, who knows what he's doing to get into that locker room. It's so- it's not going to work. You on you think and you I don't know what you mean by man I do know what you mean by managing Eagles but does this fall into that if a guy's dogging it like Tatum has like Brown has do you bench like do you think you need a guy that has balls big enough to say hey you're our star I'm, sit I'm, I'm not gonna say that it, we need to trade Jason Tatum or Jalen or one of the two like it's, no I'm just talking oh, about benching them in a game not trading just like okay. hey sit your ass down you're not performing because that's no, a tricky situation think, you can't I alienate think, players in today's NBA I think given how soft the culture and mentality of some of these NBA players are, especially someone like Tatum, who's more nonchalant and mm-hmm. like looks like he doesn't care half the time. Sitting him on the bench is not going to motivate him to play better. It's it, you need someone to get in the, in his ear. Like I need someone to like live with him twenty four seven and just motivate <laughs> him constantly because it's like the guy drives me. He's so talented, clearly our most talented player, but it's like he just doesn't look like he cares. And it's that's not a talent problem. That's a mental problem. And I hope that it's the case of like I'm willing to view that, and I think you are too, even though you're being hard on him. View that, view it in a half glass, glass half full sort of light, because that he's still 23 years old. Like it's crazy that the the game is where it is, right? But the mental aspect of this could be completely different. Like he got some of his you know game from Kobe, but he didn't get that mental you know. But that's and, the and problem. It, he thinks he's Kobe. It's like yeah, it's. But it's, he doesn't have the mano imano mindset right now. Like Kobe, he has the shot. Jason Tatum has the skill to make the shot, but does he have the desire to make the shot and say screw you to the guy as it goes in? I no, don't know. He, no, he he doesn't. And it's like listen, this Tatum's issue can be fixed and mitigated if you get the right coaching here to motivate him because. Then we won't even be talking about oh he's dogging it or he's because he'll be playing hard. It's it it's again like I said it falls on the coach. If you get somebody in here, his problem will be fixed. Let me ask you this because we've talked about coach and players now in terms of Danny Ainge, and I'll give you my take first. My thing on Danny Ainge, you know, everyone's like, oh my god, Danny needs to put together a better team. Completely fair, I'll give you that. But to beat 
the they lost to the Knicks. They've lost to the Pelicans, the Pistons, the Wizards. They they've gotten spanked by some teams that this team's already good enough to beat. So that's where I kind of jump off the oh my god, it's all Danny Ainge's fault. A, a team like the Sixers, when you get beat beat by the Sixers, then I can kind of say okay, the team's not good enough to beat a good team like that right now, right? But there is that fine line, and a lot of these losses that the Celtics have, all like twenty six of them or whatever, are against teams that they should spank even with the roster they have. So how much of the blame is on? Danny for the struggles. Well, I mean, the team clearly, it's before the Fournier trade, especially. I mean, the team had no depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you're playing. <laughs> I love Semi Ojale's toughness, but you, you can't have him be your second guy coming off the bench. Right. It's just not going to work. So and, rank those, rank, rank, rank GM, coach, and player in terms of uh, who owns the most responsibility for this team sucking this year. The GM. It ultimately falls number one because he puts the team together. Yeah, and but that's where I that's where I don't agree because they they've lost to teams that they should be able to beat with this team. I don't care yeah, if you're not depth. You, you shouldn't lose to the Knicks by it's thirty. Not even, it's not even about that. It's about the, some of the draft decisions that Danny Ainge has made in the last ten years have been so fucking bad. It's, right, but that's that's where you you can't beat a good team, right? Because of those drafts that you no matter what your draft situations are, you should be able to beat the Knicks, the Pistons, the Pelicans, right. the Wizards, and they've lost a lot of those games. That's, so that's yeah, not the that, that's, that's not an the, effort on the players, and that falls from the coach, sure. But like ultimately, it's who's enabling Brad Stevens? It's Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge is like, oh well, we just signed him to an extension. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Well, it's like, well, if like you like, I don't know why he keeps going on the media and radio shows saying, well, Brad is not going any. It's like, well, dude, well, like, do you ever plan on winning a championship? Yeah, he's again? trying to. I think he's trying to go with like the positive because Wick has done it too. Trying to go with the positive reinforcement, like backing oh your God. guy. There's nothing drives me crazier than Wick Grossbeck being like, well, we have good. Pl-. It's like Wick. Like, he drives <laughs> me insane. It's I don't know why. I'm sick and tired of the positivity that goes around the team. It's like we, we won one championship in the last thirty years. Like, why are we so positive? We're like. We're not like like this isn't the sixties and seventies where we have ten championships that we just won. Well, it's because we find like we haven't had this. We finally got superstars since that championship you're talking about. Now we finally have you know before that it was un, it was overachieving with underwhelming players and underwhelming names like those Isaiah Thomas years and whatnot. It was all gravy, no expectations, and this team was making it far. Now you're finally back to sort of. I'm not going to say this team's even close to it, but in terms of like star power, you're as close to the 08. Celtics as you have been since then I'm not saying you're at that point but you're that close and now you're not doing it but that's why there's such positive sort of like vibes and and Celtic pride with this team it's because for years before this team they were making a lot out of you know nothing and any win they had was gravy but now there's the expectations of you should be a championship caliber team and you're not so it's 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 frustrating that they keep that sort of positive mentality because things are different right now yeah it's uh, a when you have expectations and pressure to perform well and you underperform, then we're, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, good job, guys. Like, like, it's, it's, yeah, we all love an underperforming underdog team, but it's, that doesn't win you championships. It, unless right. you're the Dallas Mavericks and, well, even they still had a superstar. Right. And the team together played well. It's, we're not even doing that. Like, we, we literally can't be, get above two games above 500. It's, right. It, this team, this team has fallen into a team as of late. It seems beats the really bad teams, loses to the really good teams, and it's like, guess what? That is that is the definition of a mediocre. I, I can't believe team. some people tried to gas us up for beating the Rockets last week. I mean, they're like, oh, finally, like a cohesive. It's like you're playing a G League team. Yeah, like, 
I mean, the one thing now that you even speak about that too, it's like, well, at least you saw some things. Like Fournier went off, right? And they haven't had him since that game. I guess what it is, and I think we both, everyone, every Celtics fans falls victim to it, is that in these wins, even like the New York win last night, right? I'm telling you to start this show, they fought in that game. But the fact that we're kind of po- we're grasping at straws in any of these wins, right? So I think that's what you're getting at. But it's it's not a good sign that like we're trying to pull positives out of these bad wins which i'm guilty of you're probably guilty of too but it's like you 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 if you are a really really good team you're not like oh well you know they they beat that bad team which they should but um this guy had 20 points and that's a good sign it's like that's that's someone that's trying to you know get the the participation trophy in a sense yeah, so and that, that's what a lot of people are doing with jason tatum nowadays they look at his box they look at the box score they look at his stats 25 and, go, and 10 oh, last wow. night 25 and 10 and they don't want to mention the eight turnovers all the terrible shots and the fall away twos it's like it's it, the stats do not tell you the whole story. Hey, with hey, just gonna say you keep going back to Jason Tatum. I think you want him traded. You keep saying, oh, no, no, he's good. <laughs> you, you're the one that keeps going back to him. All I'm gonna say is I see a lot of similarities with him and Carmelo Anthony, just in terms of their personality. They're both more. That's calm. not a winner. That's not a winner. Did Car- Carmelo Anthony? Yeah, great. He won four or three Olympic medals. I don't give a shit. That's that doesn't do anything for me. If that guy was a loser his whole career. It's. I don't want Tatum to fall into that same kind of pattern. That's yeah. that's why I'm being hard on him, and we should. Well, that's kind of thing. Like you, you talk about, you know, the the Kobe workouts and whatnot. Like Carmelo type technically is Kobe without the Kobe mentality. You know what I mean? Can shoot, yeah. can score at will, pull up game, all this stuff without the sort of I'm gonna kill you approach that Kobe had, which it was almost like always a. Um, like Tatum takes the shots and he knows he can make them. But like I said, it's not a me versus you thing when he shoots it, which it should be. Like he's thinking about the shot. He's probably learned a lot from learned a lot from Kobe, RIP, in terms of making the shots and whatnot. But Kobe, half of the big game shots that he made were because he wanted to make it in the guy's face. And they were horrendous he, shots. He wanted to he wanted to step on the guy's throat. Not he, he didn't wanna he didn't think it was a good shot. I think Tatum goes to the shot and maybe doesn't have the killer instinct yet. But like I said, yet, yet. So many kids nowadays think they can just be Kobe. Kobe and it, Kobe, to even more of an extent, was more of a lone wolf than even Michael Jordan was. Because at least MJ had a high field goal percentage. He took smarter shots, and it yes, he was double teamed and he sometimes took shots. But like it, when you have Bill Wellington as your center, who are you going to pass it to him? No. Even when Kobe had Shaq and like Gasol and Artest, everybody, people who could actually play on his team, he still took 23, 28 shots yeah. a game, and. Only a killer like him and a, someone with a personality like him can have that type of you know game where you can go off and he'll take terrible shots and you'll be fine with it. Tatum does not have that personality. Personality is not like a thing that'll grow much when you get in your mid twenties. Like you're not going to change much personality wise from twenty five to like 30, 35. I don't it, know. You might though if if he it, he's got to mature. I mean the one. I mean we're talking Kobe Bryant, like one of the greatest ever. It's, it's not yeah, the I best. Don't, I never hear that. Like it's. <laughs> He's one of one. Right. So so that sucks. But just forget Kobe for a second. Let's picture just Tatum like growing and maturing. I mean, that he can do that. I don't know what you mean. He can mature. You know, he's not going to grow much from 20 t- till 25 I, to 30. He 100% can. can. Being like a, like, I don't, like, he's, do you see Tatum in five years being like, all right, guys, let's go and like pumping everybody up? No. I, like, I, just, I mean, I don't, it's not in him right now, but I don't see why, you know, that's five years, half a decade, you'd say he's not going to. You know what I mean? Like, he, he definitely could. I mean, it, it's it. it the pro- that's the problem, though. I know just as well as you do, type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a good sign. Like, you'd want to see something. Like, I I bet five years from now, Jalen Brown's that guy. 
100 percent because he has that mentality he's in it he he just doesn't do it like as frequently yet which it's probably because um more consistent than tatum it's yeah it because i mean tatum's not bad on defense either he's pretty freaking good people people talk about that a lot how much he's improved but it's like just the body language and turning. He's been doing this since his rookie year, too, just complaining to reps every mm-hmm. single time he goes to the basket. It's so annoying. And it's it. I get the whole Duke thing. People are going to be like, oh, we came from Duke. All these guys are like a bunch of complainers. And it's like, well, to some degree, that's true. I mean, it's this is this might be a fabric of the Duke problem, but it's also just a Tatum problem on his own. Right. Like he – it does kind of frustrate him. And, and I'm not as – I don't think. I mean, I'm gonna say it based on everything you're saying. I'm not as down on Tatum as you are, but it, it is really frustrating for him to go to the hoop one looking for a foul and not get it, and then complain. It's like, well, if you just went strong, at least there's a chance that you make the bucket. And then who knows? Maybe if you're going strong to the hoop, you do get fouled. But these floaters, these weird like like expecting the calls. It's like I, I it's it does. It wouldn't surprise me if refs are soured on him doing that because I think he's a good enough player that he should be getting a lot more calls than he is. But the fact that he's been complaining and he does the arm throw every single time, right? The fact that that is such a like a apparent thing, it's like I wouldn't be surprised if refs are like, you know, screw you. These refs are human. You know what I mean? Like they're they're gonna get annoyed. So yeah, they're they're human just like everybody else. I mean, they're of course they're gonna be like, this guy does not stop complaining and he needs to shut up and we're not gonna give him the call. It's like literally Tim Donaghy, the uh, former ref who you know Your was boy. yeah my boy. I do I have exchanged a couple messages with him. Uh, I'm a brag. Even he himself said the refs get together before games and discuss. All right, well, we're going to be hard on this guy tonight. It's like, it, of course, it's going to happen. If you and that's a right. that's a legit like former high level ref spilling the beans. He's not associated yeah. with them anymore. He has nothing to lose now. That's got to be the truth. But a lot of the same guys who were in the league at that time are still there today. Ken Ma- or Ken Maurer might have just retired, but well, like, but even so, that if that's if that's like a thing refs do, it hasn't stopped. You know what I mean? Like it's not like oh, new age of refs. We're not going to do that. No, it, it things trickle and carry on, and it's part of probably part of the protocol. If crazy. if that's the case, it drives me crazy. And I I know we touched touched on this briefly, but just to go back to get off topic a little bit just some of the draft decisions that the Celtics have made mm-hmm. i mean listen we all know tatum and brown terrific pits rosier i'll even give them that because my my guy and you know if we had to rewind two years ago and we were doing that whole should we keep rosier or trade Kyrie thing i might have a different discussion on that yeah he'd be better than kemba right now yeah but i don't know if he's as like he he's such a me guy like this i'm ted rosier's number one fan like he is such a me guy though i don't know if he would play well but based on what we see right now he would be good you know i mean who knows if it would actually work out but keep going a tough like he he was a loud guy he he loved playing hard but like some of these draft like aaron neesmith i told you this like after the draft you can't take a guy that plays 11 games in conference usa and say he shot 45 percent. let's take him so are you already you're already ready to write off Aaron Neesmith? I know the answer to that. I've asked you no, before. I have no. We can cut him tomorrow. I wouldn't care. It's the Peyton Pritchard pick. Good pick. Way better than I thought he'd ever be. Great pick for where he was selected. The fact right. that he's Great. come in and right. and um, before before you even move on to the next like any other drafts, Peyton Pritchard though I get asked this question all the time. How much better does Peyton Pritchard get? Because I love Pritchard. You love Pritchard. But to be honest, his 
you know, makeup of a player. He has a really high floor right now based on where you know, rookie wise and whatnot. I don't think he gets much. No, he's better. Be PJ McConnell for like the rest of his career. But he that's just like gets more consistent. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. But he just gets more consistent. He doesn't get like Pritchard's not going to ever be a Steve Nash or you know an MVP candidate point guard. But he's going to be a he could be a staple bench piece and a guy that starts when you guys have uh, when when teams have injuries. Hell, he could even be a starter. I think by the end of his career, but he's a never going to be. Starter, yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, keep going because we got to talk about Romeo. I need your thoughts on Romeo because I was Kev in my stream last night. I said Romeo hasn't shown me anything. People can't put him on the pedestal, and people ripped me. Like I'm talking, I had people call me a clown, hating in the streams. Romeo Langford to me, I'm not trying to rag on him. I know you're probably lower on the, he's lower on your totem pole than than me. But he hasn't shown me anything that's like, hey, this is the savior of the season. And all of a sudden, people are crowning him that. So it's kind of tough. The guy had six points and six rebounds, and people are trying to, like, people are horning for that. Listen, Romeo Langford, coming out of Indiana, he was not a good shooter. He was, he was, he, he, I think he literally shot like under 30% from three. And I was just like, well, <laughs> I don't know what they took him for because he was not known as a defender, not known as a playmaker, not known as a shooter. He was just like a good mid range, like college, like get to the basket kind of guy. And the problem is he hasn't even been able to get on the freaking court. I feel like he's been on in COVID protocol for like six months. Well, he had the the wrist injury, then he had the wrist surgery, yeah. then he had COVID, then he had the conditioning, and then he was on the health and safety again. And he literally came off of the injury report like three times and went back on within like six hours. <laughs> like, it's like, actually, yeah, you're 20 years old and you're you weigh like a buck seventy. Why are you having stamina issues when you all you do is just come to practice and go home? Like all you should be doing is practicing. It doesn't make it. It it that's a horrible pick. Grant Williams, another horrible pick. That be, yeah, let's draft a six five, six foot five power forward who can't defend three fours or fives. It it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I know what Danny Ainge was trying to do. He was like, I got to get somebody that's like my Draymond Green that could be like that undersized like guy who can. Grant Williams is not Draymond Green. No. It's it's and Draymond Green's not even Draymond Green. No, yeah, that was like Draymond Green was Draymond Green for two, three years. Yeah, like, and that was because he had four, three superstars around him. It's it's just some of these draft picks are just been so. I can't even begin. Like, I don't, who are some names? I can't even remember some of the people who we've picked. Do you um? Well, what about Carson Edwards? Is one? Oh um, my god, another terrible. <laughs> yeah, Draymond. Like two, Draymond. Two they Come have Von Von Mater or whatever the hell his name is. He's over in overseas right now. People say that he's electric, Ooh. but that's just like it's like Van Mater or something. I, mean, I don't even know who. That exactly, you don't need to, but it's it's going to be another Ante Zizic. Remember him? Oh my um, God, he's gonna he's gonna come here and be the savior. He <laughs> he just didn't. They traded him like so. Um, but I mean, Yabusele, like all these names that, that he picks. Is another one. It's, but we we gotta you, you have to draw a line of okay. Well, these are end of the draft, or you know what I mean? Like that's not even fair. Like Carson Edwards, who like who cares about that? You just look at some of the guys that they were rumored to maybe move up or get, or some of the guys picked after. It's like. It, it, there, I, I think it was the ringer that did an article that literally uh, ranked all of Ainge's picks since 2010. Yeah. And he has maybe three good picks. The rest of them have been just garbage. I will say this, though, and I'm not totally aligning with this, but I don't think he gets enough credit for the Tatum and Brown picks. If you look at who the Celtics should have taken in those drafts, you have Markel Fultz and Dragan Bender. But Danny Ainge traded and got Jason Tatum and drafted Jalen Brown and got booed on draft night. So I know it's like, oh, it's easy to draft in the top three, right? But is it? Like, J Danny Ainge looks like a profit after those two picks. So yeah, I'm not, that's only two picks out of all these picks. I get it. But I mean, you got to, you can't just say. You have to account for that. Like, it's like, great, you made those picks. If we're not winning, then 
who cares? It's like, I'm not going to guess giving you a round of applause for if we're not winning. Right. Like, okay. You, you drafted two guys that carry us to the Eastern conference finals. Like, congratulations. I, I do. But I, I mean, you have to admit like hearing the names, Marco Fultz and dragon better. You're like, okay. Yeah, like I mean, we, we dodge big bullets, but it, what like that, why, why San Antonio is so good at drafting players every single year? It's it, or why the heat, the heat, the heat, the heat, every single player that heat drafts seem to uh, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. They, they you know play and they're good. Like, Riley, I told you from the mentality yeah. you puts in that organization from the day you come in, you have to work hard and sweat. And if you don't, you, like you're out. It's it. There's a lot of good teams who draft really well. Like Toronto's another one that's drafted mm. really well. It's it, there's no excuse for Danny Ainge to have two great picks and then just be trash for the rest of the time. It's yeah. And honestly, it, if you look at any of the, like you said. Terry, like Terry Rozier isn't even they remember they tried to trade up and go get I think it was Justice Winslow that draft so they oh weren't even God, planning on taking they weren't even planning on taking Terry Rozier you know what I mean that that just I don't even know if I have that right but I forget who were they in the same draft it doesn't matter but you know what I mean like they were planning on not even trying to use that pick for Terry and they ended up having to because the trade didn't work out or whatever so it's like I don't even you know I know you credited Danny Ainge for drafting Terry but I don't even know if like he was going to, you know what I mean? Like that might have just been like, ah, screw him, take him. He's on the board. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that credit because I mean, ultimately he developed in our organization and that's why he got paid by Charlotte. But it's, it, it's just, it's even the Matisse Thibel. I know people like Thibel sucks on. Yes. We all know he sucks on offense, but Matisse Thibel is a guy you put on the bench and he comes down and locks down your best player. And, was he, and it, he was drafted at before uh, after Langford. We were we were gonna draft him, and then we traded down. Yeah, picks, yeah, remember. yeah. And then we drafted. A, was it Carson Edwards? Grant Williams? No, that was he was twenty three. Yeah, I think it must have been Carson Edwards at the yeah. end of the first round. How was Carson Edwards working out for you? Instead, you could have had a six foot six guy who can defend one through four. Yeah, and just like it doesn't make any sense. I really don't. Especially if you look at it and say, well. And he goes, well, I need a wing now that can maybe play defense and shoot a three. That's literally all Tybal did it in I know. college. It's just so it, and then he takes Neesmith. It doesn't make any sense. They have they have guys that Kevin. It's not even that the guys stink. They don't like, and I don't know if it's a Brad Stevens move or whatever. They don't even play their young guys. So how can you ever be proven right that you drafted good guys if you never even give them the chance? So it's it's a huge knock because even a Langford, like if if this team stinks right now, five hundred ball club, I would be running Neesmith through the floor because what do you have to lose? Either way, you know, if he sinks, it's going to say it's a bad pick. If he doesn't play, you know, they're going to say it's a bad pick. So why are you just benching him and never giving him any opportunity? Like, yeah. Semi Ojale and Grant Williams are playing over Aaron Neesmith. That's bull. Neither one of them are that good that you shouldn't be giving Aaron Neesmith a try. Well, I mean, you, you know my feelings on Aaron Neesmith. I, I, I'd, rather, I'd much rather have Ojale out there because he'd at least play defense. But why? Because you have no clue what, like, Neesmith is going to just waste away on the bench. There's no point in having drafting guy in the lottery and then wasting him away voluntarily. If he wastes away because you give him a chance and he sucks, that's a completely different story. But never even trying to give him the run is like, okay, well, we're going to waste the pick either way. There's no potential reward if you do that. The small amount of time that he's been out there on the floor, he literally looks like he just stepped onto the court for the first time. Because he has. Because he did. That's yeah, so. <laughs> that's the problem. Every time he gets out there, he's like, holy shit, what is this? There's like a professionalism that uh, you have. Well, I mean, obviously, he's a young kid, too. So, like, but he, he wasn't. Robert Williams is the perfect kid. example. The guy, the guy, the more he plays, the better he does. Yeah, but Robert Williams has like balance Doesn't, and talent. And like, it's, it's a, a confidence thing, though. You've seen Robert Williams do things like his passing and all that. Neesmith has never had the chance, and I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm, I'm not tied to Neesmith either. Like I was. I All thought I'm he was good he draft. Confidence. Neesmith isn't talented. He's slow. He's not athletic. It, he's 
clearly not even that as good of a shooter. He had 11 games in college. His second I know, year. but he should be. He should have. He misses a three and gets taken out. No one's make no one's no one's gonna improve as a shooter doing that because you're scared every time you shoot it. So he's turned into a mental case, right? And you're saying that's him? I think it's because he just never even got a, a chance. Like Carson Edwards is a phenomenal shooter. The guy goes in there and puts a crack in the backboard because he chucks it at the hoop. That's a guy that the both of those guys are guys that probably need some sort of a rhythm. Every good shooter needs to get in a rhythm, right? And yeah. you're never gonna give the like the way Brad Stevens Jalen Brown barely even played as a rookie. You know what I mean? Like it's like you give these guys no run, you can't expect anything, and then it becomes a waste of a draft pick. Even if they don't, like even if they are sucky, or even if they don't suck, if you don't play them, you're gonna you guarantee that they're a waste. So yeah, it's. I mean, it. I mean, again, we're. I can't believe we're spending this much time on Aaron D. Smith. I don't even want to hey. talk about it for the rest of my life. But it's the, ultimately what this circles around to is that the team is not being motivated or not mm-hmm. being put in the right position to win. And that's ultimately the coaches and GM's fault. So yeah. we're obviously don't want to fire Danny Ainge. I think it's way harder to find a GM than a new coach, right? right? Way yeah. harder, but someone's got to go. Something's got to change. You think in the yeah, off season? Cause somebody, or you, yeah. In the off season. I, I mean, I, at this point, I don't, I, I don't care. I mean, we're not going to get to the finals. I mean, right. Let's, let's not Barring any miraculous, they win the NBA championship, things turn around. Obviously, you're not like, oh, well, I'm locked into firing Brad Stevens. Yeah, but I hear you. Some sort of potions made where people actually play with full effort 100% of the time. We're not making the finals. So whenever the season ends, you fire Brad Stevens and try to find somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not fully sold on the fire Brad Stevens. I'm as close as I like have ever been, but at the same time, it's like, so I could you totally see that. Then you have to trade somebody because you can't come back with this same team next year and run it again. hundred percent. You have to figure it out. I don't think, I don't even think any team's ever going to trade for Kemba, especially with the salary. You're going to end up getting two Joe yeah, Schmoes I mean, for Kemba. It it's is like, what it means. Smart Brown or Tatum, one or two of those have to go. That's just that if we don't want to get rid of the coach and you can't get rid of Kemba, two or one of those players has to go. Yeah, and then it's like you know, I'm sure everyone has their individual. Like Smart is seemingly more untouchable than some of the to, to some people than the Jays, which at this point is kind of crazy. Yeah, but I something mean, has to change, Kev. You're, you're completely right. Yeah, something you can't you cannot come back with this same team next year and do the same thing. I I, I will kill myself if that happens. That's it's. I will throw myself out this window. <laughs> How many floors? Twenty-two. Okay, that's enough. I will not live. <laughs> that's enough to do it. <laughs> I will not live. Let's just say uh, that. Yeah, I mean, something does have to change. We'll see. Maybe, um, you know, we'll we'll get you back on the show too to talk about it because I'm sure everyone listening loves the the negativity that we both brought today. But that's that's the beauty of um, Listen, being real. Do you think I want to be a person? You think I enjoy sitting here being negative about the Celtics the no. whole time? Yes. As I've gotten a little bit older, I've learned to be more negative about things in life just because <laughs> like, naturally everything sucks, but it's like it, it like you cannot sit here and just drink the green Kool-Aid. Like I'm just not going to do that. You're like, as big I, of a Celtics fan as I know. I'm as big of a Celtics fan as you know and you're not we're not being we're being pushed to negativity. Right. You no, know, we're not I, we're not like some big Twitter, Twitter accounts that are like, "Oh my god, this team's still going to win the championship." It's like, "Come on." I man. want Aaron Smith to go out there and shoot and make five threes a game, but it's like we have to criticize our the team that we root for because we want them to be the best and somehow people have a problem with that. Yeah. But it's sad. But um um all right, Kev any last things you want to uh, you mentioned? I know you've been going off on Twitter lately. Any last things that you have to get off your chest on the podcast? Yeah, I mean, maybe to some of the beat writers, if they're listening to this, uh, 
like you, you guys got to grow some balls. It's like I get it. You may have grown up around the area. You may have rooted for the Celtics your whole life. You know, it's the, I, I studied journalism in school just like all of these other guys did. I know who's out there. I know the type of – you can't go into a locker room if you're a beat writer and just blow the players all day and just not write any negativity or use any objectivity. It's That's not going to work. And I get it. That's Radio, what it is. It's, it's, it's objectivity. It's not even really – negativity i mean you have to be objective about it i mean i literally see guys last night that I, who i was tweeting at verified beat reporters for the team that have been covering them for years try to say well he had covid 70 days ago 70 days ago i mean you've you've lost the battle right there it's yeah. it's again you can't you that's crap that the if i see that again i'm gonna call it out every single time these guys yeah. need to start criticizing the team Right. And, and, and it's, well, we, you don't want the players to see that and then get soured. It's like, at, at some point, you, it's like we said, you just have to be real with this team. And this team needs some major changes, needs some major sort of upliftings and, and cosmetic changes. Because right now, what they have isn't working. And we talked about it. If they come back with this team, it's going to be the exact same thing next year. And we're going to do this all over again. And that isn't how any team should be operating. Back in, back in the day, Bob Ryan and Shaughnessy wrote terrible articles in the finals when Larry Bird had like a bad game. And the next game, he came out and scored 45. And he's like, I did that so I can shove it in Bob Ryan's face. It's like, that's the kind of mentality you should have. Instead, they're like, well, someone said some mean comments on Instagram or Twitter. It's like, dude, just I'm done. I, I don't want to. I don't want to go off anymore. All right. Start criticizing the team. All right. Well, uh, you, you you gave us some some good content here, Kev. I appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything you wanna you wanna plug or anything at the end of the show? No, I, I, mean, I, just, I see my work emails coming in. I got to get right on it because we've been doing this <laughs> for the last 45 minutes. All right, Kev. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks a lot, bud. See ya.